This season of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by Act London, the premium natural deodorant balm for all genders. Hello and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On Season 3. How are you doing out there? How's your week been? I mean, the kids are back at school. All is going well. You know, it's been a good week. Um, I want to say a big thank you to our new sponsors, Act London. I mean, they are just wonderful. Oh, and I've got a new fragrance. I think it's called the number three. Oh, it smells amazing. I, am, I really am a convert, but I will tell you about them later um, in the show. They're brilliant. Check them out. And we have a special discount code, which again, I'll tell you about later on in the show. So coming up today. So this guy, well... He came into my mind when he sent me a lovely message on Instagram after I had performed on the BBC The Greatest Show show. And he sent me a lovely message saying, you know, congratulations, it was really great. And I reached out and thought, actually, you'd be an amazing person to talk to. You're a Strictly favourite. You you know, you throw those little toes around and you're an absolutely fantastic presenter you know, and you've done a musical or two. So I thought I'm going to get in touch, and I did. So welcome, Ore Aduba. Ore, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. And you know what? I'm I'm a bit kind of excited and nervous about this one because you are usually in my seat. And you are usually doing the, asking the questions. So I'm excited to have oh, you here. Thank you so much. Are you kidding, Kerry? The excitement doesn't even rank on one on the scale of one to ten where I am, to be honest. <laughs> I am I'm so over the moon because I'm such a fan. And and the mad thing is, I mean, I don't know when this is gonna go out. Hopefully it'll go out and it'll stay out forever because this it is will. going to be a talk for the ages. But <laughs> only recently I watched your performance on the um, musicals, The Greatest Show on BBC One. And you brought me to... T- it, the, the last time I cried was when I watched that. Oh. I, uh, and the mad thing was, I had already watched it once. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, missed, I missed the first viewing of it, but I just caught the end. So I caught you mid... mid um, uh, mid song, and then I watched it again. I watched the full show with my wife, and obviously, I can't even begin to imagine what it was like being at the Palladium in the midst of all we've been through. But then mm. I watched it with that context and finishing with Defying Gravity, and you there, and the power, and the and the orchestra, and then the silence. It knocked me for six. You know, I I've spoken about that a lot actually because it it was. It was it was one of those amazing moments where we all went into the Palladium, you know, which has been quite sad because it's been dark for so long. Yeah. And to go in and be, you know, in this amazing venue with an orchestra. And I didn't notice, well, obviously I noticed it when we were filming, but I didn't notice it as much until I watched it back. And and there was that split second of, of, of silence where usually it'd be roar of, mm-hmm. of, of applause. So suddenly to expose that, I think was almost clever and sad at the yeah, same time. It, it was, was clever because it, it was... highlighted it. Totally. It was incredibly heartbreaking. It was, you've had that hour of just being completely uplifted and then, Mm. and then it's gone. And it was like reliving the last 12 months again. It was like, how have we had this, um, just, we've had this incredible art that we had possibly taken for granted. And then it's just gone again and I don't know if I can't deal with it I can't deal with it for oh. much longer oh I don't know but you've been keeping everybody pretty entertained I mean I've I've 
had a little look on your Instagram recently. And I mean, it's how we connected really, isn't it? I, and I love Instagram for that. I love that you can suddenly interact with people where you couldn't do that before. I love I love that you can reach out and actually speak to the person. That's how it was, wasn't it? Because I, I, mm. I, I put an, uh, an Instagram, put a post up about how blown away I was by your performance. And you were very kind to say, thank you. And then we started chatting and it was a lovely <laughs> future 2020, 2021 version of connecting. I loved it. Oh, we're so young. We're so hip. I know. Aren't we just? Aren't we just? But you've been keeping everyone really entertained. You've been doing your exercise with your lovely wife, and you've—you know—you're really proactive on social media. It's it's so brilliant. Has that been more recently, just with the lockdown, or have you always done it? Have you always kind of thought, right, I've got to communicate this way? I think you know it's taken me the year to get to where I where I am with how (laughs) I use social media because um, I don't know me me being at home has always been a switch off. If I'm mm. if I'm not working and I'm at home, then I put everything away. Phones away, like my attention is with my wife and my son. And that is where I've I've always wanted to be because I think it's really important to be able to disconnect from what mm. you do at work, whether it's on stage, on telly, whatever it is that you might do, and then be able to completely dedicate yourself to your family. The difficult mm. thing that I found in the maybe the summer last year was that social media obviously it's 24-7 and we're lucky to have a following at all, to have people who are interested in what we do and support us in the things that we do. I think that is so incredibly special. But it, there's no turn off button. So I found mm. it really difficult to go, okay, well, I need to put more things on social media because I need to stay active and I need to basically keep myself ticking over. Um, but I'm still doing it at one o'clock in the morning. How has this yes. happened? I'm still trying to create content or, or just you know, prepare messages or whatever it is I'm going to do to keep myself alive on that platform, Mm. if you like. And um, I find that really, really difficult. But at the same time, I cannot keep myself still. I can't, if I'm, (laughs) you know, it's been that we've been starved of the work that we love to do. And I I can't just sit at home and be be Mm. idle. So it's actually been a really great way of channeling some of that activity and creativity um, doing something together with my wife, like you say, it's been mm. lovely doing workouts together. You know, five days a week, we get up at six o'clock in the morning. Not our fault, not our choice, <laughs> but we're up and we go, well, if we're going to get a workout in, it has to be now. Um, so, yeah, we've tried to keep a little bit of a, a rhythm and a routine to stay sane, Kerry, mm. just to stay oh, sane. I know. Is, is fitness is something that you, in your normal life, when we're not in, in lockdown, or is that something that you use for, you know, to keep healthy, to keep your mind in set, or has it just been more of a gear change just for this period of time? Yeah, I'd love to say that I'm an active person. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. And it's terrible because my wife she genuinely doesn't like I used to be really sporty I used to be a different guy Kerry I'm gonna talk all about that I need to hear all about it (laughs) and and anytime I do anything active outside of the safety of home where I guess there's a there's cushions and things to cushion my (laughs) fall she thinks that I'm going to break or be blown away by the wind I'm like I used to I used to play rugby for goodness sake and um so yeah, it, I, when it comes to, I, I just, I don't give the time. I haven't been yeah. given the time for it. And especially when I've been on the road and stuff, you go, I've got time. I have time in the day to do it. But if I don't do it in the morning, 
And That's essentially, I woke up and it's lunchtime. I go, well, mm. I have, there isn't, you know, chance is gone now. Maybe tomorrow, and it never yeah. happens. So it's the fact that we've been kind of there aren't really any other options. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, have, I have it's to. hard it's as well. Important. It's been important. Norm- normally, when you know we're doing what you do as well, and in this kind of industry, you're here, there, and everywhere. And the I think the hard thing with exercise is that. You never have the same day, so it's hard to have mm. a, a routine of going, right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to exercise, because you could be going on set at six in the morning, or you could be going on set at six at night, and your body is always kind of out of sorts, so it's hard to kind of fit it in. That is exactly it to a T. The number of times outside, you know, pre-pandemic, where I've woken up and I'm like, who am I today? Am I the <laughs> radio person? Am I mm. doing the, the corporate thing tonight? Am I going on stage? Am I doing a song? Am I doing live telly? And it, it yeah, the schedule is all over the shop. We mm. tried, I don't know what you like at home, but I tried to do a, a, a synchronized diary with my significant other. And <laughs> the idea it's, being, you know, of course, look, look, have a look. Do you want to know what I'm up to? Have a look at the diary. It's there. I wrote it down. <laughs> No one looks at the diary. It's there no, for don't. all to see. But they go, no. oh, my God, are you, are you doing the podcast with <laughs> Kerry tomorrow? Yes, it's been there for weeks. You should have. Oh, because I, does that mean I'm doing the pickup? Yes, it does. It do- Oh, you try, you try. It's mental, isn't it? It's mental. And, and you, like you say, you've got a little boy at home as well. How has that been? Like, like scheduling that it, on a normal time, you know, when you're often, you're working, etc. And you know, scheduling family life around that is crazy anyway. But lockdown, how has lockdown been as a, as a family unit and having that time? Um, it's been, uh, it's been like the tide coming in and out. It's been um, like, it's never been the one and the same thing. I, it's really hard to describe because some days you think you've got it. You go, okay, I've nailed it. We've got the routine. We're getting up at six, we've got to work out. Mentally, I'm feeling much better. Physically, I feel like I'm not just eating snacks and chocolate all the time, so this <laughs> is good. And then, because I I, I like to base, I like to keep things um, structured. Mm. Because especially as when, you, you know, my wife and I have been together 10 years and we've lived together for maybe eight of those years. And so we know each other inside out, but we've never lived more intimately than we have, obviously, over the last mm-hmm. year or so. And you think you know someone. (laughs) (laughs) You think you do. And, um, do you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to put it on me, okay? I'm sure if you ask my wife a different thing, you know, she would have a very different story. But I'll put it on me because I know that she is looking at me from a very different perspective. Because if I, if I'm doing something, I'm doing it. You know, if I'm doing the washing, I'm I'm doing it. There's no time, there's no time like the present. If it needs to get done, we do it. There's no, you know, and it's got us in a couple of, a couple of um, (laughs) tizwazzes where um, I just, I just think if you're going to do it, do it now. And she's like, Mm. oh, just do it later. And then it's just that thing because you, you think you're in sync and uh, sometimes you're not and that causes the i tried i remember when our our son was going to uh i think it was when he started going back to nursery after the first or second how many lockdowns have we had i i forget oh i forget um and enough (laughs) we've had so many and i remember trying to get i would get up in the morning i'd get him ready i'd do my own workout I basically tried to do everything so that there wasn't a thing that she could find that I'd done wrong. <laughs> I just, I literally, I answered all the questions. I was troubleshooting at seven o'clock in the morning going, she can't find anything wrong. I've done it. I've done it all. 
boy, did they find it. They find a way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been tricky. But I think the fact that we are here and mm. still happy and still love each other and we're still looking forward to, <laughs> to our lives out of this <laughs> mess, you know, I think there's a real there's a real positivity in finding that strength because I, I mm. you know, we've all been through struggles and different challenges in our lives. But I, I wonder that everybody who's survived this... Um, just feels like we have to we have to remember these last 12 months joe goodness me if i can get through that i can get through anything Mm. yeah absolutely it's putting a positive spin on it i think it's huge it's massive so i want to talk a bit about how things kind of started out for you because you've done you've done everything i mean you know you're you've been presenting you've been on radio you've been in theater which i want to talk to you about but how did it start for you because like you say it seemed or like you've mentioned it seems like sport was a was a big influence on you did you grow up being sporty how did it begin for you how did you get into presenting did <laughs> so, you want to do it so many questions no no Carrie. it is as random as that because I, I do feel like I've covered a lot of bases and I, I think maybe that's what it comes down to because I like the variety and I always like to feel like I'm challenged but it definitely wasn't it felt straightforward, but it kind of came from nowhere because there's nowhere in um, no one in my family who's who's followed the same lines of work that I've done, despite them actually wanting to. It was lovely, actually, when I first started it, presenting at CBBC. My older sister, who's five years older than me, said, I've always wanted to do something like that. And she used to go to boarding school and I, I never knew that she was on stage and she did lots of drama and those kind of things. Um, and so I feel really lucky that I got to pave a way that mm. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to your podcast all think, you know, this is, was an, an aspiration of mine, but things got in the way and, mm. you know, pressures and education and anyway, life. so life, it just, it just stopped you. So do you know what I, I, hmm. I, I was always performing from a really early age. I always remember in uh, in prep school, in junior school, being too young to be in the school performances and every year being devastated, hoping that they might open the age bracket a little bit so that I could be in it that year. And even I remember Bugsy Malone was the first, first performance uh... I remember for our school production. And uh, it just, it blew my mind. They are actually encouraging mess inside. This is <laughs> this yeah, is mind blowing. This is exactly where I want to be. It's all about the pie guns, isn't it? <laughs> it's the pie. Everybody... They actually made pie guns in <laughs> art. Like we actually, I remember painting the guns, thinking this is this is exactly what school should be about. Wow, oh, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? Um, so yeah, I I um, I was always dreamt of. of being a part of these performances, I remember leaving prep school with the last drama prize. I was so proud to get the last drama prize when I left, having played the role of snack bar. Funnily enough, face painted green, Kerry. Actually. Oh, there you go. See, yeah. I knew, yeah. I knew. We had I something knew. in common I knew there from was a something. very early age. Yeah. <laughs> um, snack bar in the performance of Seven Golden Dragons, circa... Uh, June 1999 and um, <laughs> from there I kind of that was yeah I went to my uh, my um, secondary school and I played a lot of sports so sport was always a huge part of my life mm. it was uh, it was kind of the place where I excelled the classroom I, I loved but I wasn't it wasn't really my forte um, but I always excelled on the sports field and then when we went to our secondary school 
we were so lucky because they had an actual theatre. Um, I went to a school in Dorset called Canford, and um, just before we started, an Assyrian frieze was found underground, and they sold it for millions of pounds. Wow. Which was, unbeknownst to me, I was a you know, young teenager at the time, I thought, well, what's that? It's just a bit of stone. It's cost a lot of money, and it means that you get a scholarship, son. So pipe down and get on with it. And uh, it basically, it, they, uh, they, uh, they bought a theatre, they, they built a theatre. So they, we would we would do, uh, there was always performances at the school, whether they were house performances, junior performances, senior performances, whole school performances, fame academies. Wow. We did fame academies. I remember coming second with my a cappella performance of Daniel Bellingfield's Gotta Get Through This. Um, <laughs> or, you know, these little wins, you got to wow. take them. They're all part of the journey. They're so they? important, and though, early on, those things, really aren't they? Are. Because they really influence you. They kind of give you a spark or, an, or a you know, an insight of to, oh, I might be able to have a go at this or this might yeah, be interesting. Totally. And um, because and these are the things that really got me excited. They're the mm. things, I guess, when you go to school, you know you've got to do double maths on a Monday. Mm. You know you've got, uh, you know you've got this, this and that, and there are some subjects that you're going to like and some that you're not. But what you don't expect is those extracurricular activities, the ones where you really find yourself, you meet other like-minded kids, mm. and you go, gosh, this is something that I really love doing. And no one's told me I have to. Um, and that, I guess, is where the love and the joy comes from. And I found myself really in my element as much as I was in the sports field on stage. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I guess it got to a point where I was leaving school. I was loving it, but it wasn't really a vocation. I, I you know, I guess I didn't go to a theatre school. It wasn't a performing school. So for them, those traditional routes into work, the kind of um, doctor or business, those are a little bit more like what they were, you know, Ox Oxbridge candidates. That was mm. the kind of stuff that they promoted. And I, I remember going to a careers meeting and then saying, <laughs> what do you want to do? And I remember in my, I don't know where I would have got it from, but obviously it's a pretty um, standard phrase that, she, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm. So I went into the careers meeting and went, I'm going to be a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> and their face is almost like yours, Kerry. <laughs> I smiled. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's not kill his dreams immediately. I'm listening. And uh, I love football. I love watching it on the telly. Um, funnily enough, Bournemouth Football Club were training at our at our school as well. And it just made me think, well, let's put two and two together. We have a professional outfit here. I want to be a footballer. You're the careers advisor. Let's make it happen, Mr. Yeah. Hay. And um, it didn't. Um, uh, <laughs> here I am. Uh, not as a professional footballer, interestingly enough, but it got me thinking about other careers in sport and I wasn't going to go down the physiotherapy route. I wasn't going to go down the coaching route. And I, it mm -hmm. was, it was, I guess it was the love of telly. And I, I knew I loved telly. I, I knew that I, the performance element of the stuff that I was doing at school, maybe I could combine the two of them. It was just an idea I had. It wasn't encouraged by anybody else. And so um, that's the, where my aspirations of getting on telly were born. And I, I went to Loughborough University, um, where, which had an amazing media centre there. And so from the minute I started, I knew that was what I was going to do. Telly, radio, I wrote in the magazine. And wow. um, that, was the, that was the idea. It was kind of a one-track mind of I'm going to make working in television and using perhaps using sport as the avenue that I could get in there. And um, 
two weeks later after graduating university I started presenting at CBBC amazing amazing what an what an in what great in though and and to go in it's suddenly your first day you know presenting on telly how was that were you were you ready for it because like I say you didn't you, you went to media college do you feel like you had the tools to kind of then suddenly stand up in front of the camera and, and do what you've got to do? Or was it, how was it? Um, well, they were really good at kind of slowly um, working me in. I, I auditioned like anybody else. It was, the timing was great because they were, they had a, a lot of, of the previous cast of Newsround, as I was presenting at the time, were moving on and they were looking to make a big kind of new wave, a new phase. And it just so happened that was the time that I was graduating. So, um, yeah, I'd done a lot of student television, mm. but of course that's not presenting Newsround on BBC One a la John Craven, you know? Mm, mm, mm. This is uh, this is a step up and a half. Mm. Um, but they, they they gave me time and, you know, they had different outlets and I was started reporting and, um, and I guess they just wanted personality, really. So yeah. I, I felt like, and CBBC is the most amazing learning ground. You, the number of faces in front and behind the camera that have gone on from children's and uh you know they're they're making their way in in you know big adult yeah i say adult, i don't always find it hard to go from children's and that's i say adult tv it's not adult tv it's normal tv <laughs> adult tv is a very different thing it's just tv um it's just let's just call it tv let's scrap that bit it's I, too I, early it's too early it's been 13 years and i still call it i still get it wrong um but uh yeah so i i it's it, it gave me the chance to learn the tools of my trade i guess mm. that's what i'm trying to say um across genres whether it was sport or entertainment um live you know every show we did was live and um from my first job to get to do live telly that really set me in in the best possible stead so quite quickly 2008 i started you know the beijing olympics had were going and finished two weeks later and so London was on the brain so that was wow. you know it was like let's throw ourselves into sport because I think in four years time it might be a bit of a big deal <laughs> um, so that was the plan and you it, you really did kind of throw yourself in you've done so many uh, presenting jobs and and you've been it's been it's been I've secretly stalked you I guess in the last kind of oh. couple of weeks because <laughs> you know what it's, it's interesting you I I like to talk to people that I know and I know about. And obviously I've seen you on the telly and, and, you know, seen you do various bits and pieces. But when you start to look into people and what they've done, it mm. blows my mind. And it just, it, I'm so impressed by everyone. It's oh, brilliant. It's amazing. Um, do you ever feel like when you do something, I guess like, you know, sport, you have a bit of history with sport. So you're, you know, you have knowledge of it. Do you ever feel like um, when you're interviewing someone, when you're talking about something that, you're not equipped enough or you're kind of you know just feeling it out or or are you always done your research you're there you're ready to go you know what to say I am a complete hypochondriac <laughs> I think we all are I think we're all neurotic yeah, we are we are but the idea of going into anything undercooked just keeps me up at night it, mm. actually i do have sweaty nightmares of, the, of going into like big chats or doing anything 
whether it is, you know, the role on stage or, or interviewing David Beckham, which was one of my first interviews. Oh, absolutely pooed myself. Casually wow. pooed myself that day. He's great, uh, though. He's, he's so great. lovely. Yeah, especially when you've seen him in his underpants, as I'm oh. about an hour before I do. Uh, lucky him. I mean, me, not him. I mean, you make your mind up. Um, uh, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. Why is that, I wonder? Well, we're talking... <laughs> David Beckham's uh, pants, right? Back that off. was it. That is yes. Preparation. Um, yeah, I. Somebody once told me, uh, "Prepare to fail." Or fail to prepare. Prepare to fail. That was the phrase. Um, and especially when it comes to sport broadcasting, where I'm really mm. lucky that it was a really big foundation in my um, broadcast career, because you cannot, you can't blag it. You know, mm. you can't go on air at the Olympics. And, and not, not know your stuff. We, yeah. So um, that's the only way I've I've done anything. And um, yeah, I mean, put it this way: if I'm going to book a holiday, Kerry, I need to have gone on TripAdvisor to be able to <laughs> have a complete 360 degree picture of that room I'm going to book myself yeah. into. Do you know what I mean? That's I can't, I can't. I never just book anything. I need to know it top to toe. I need to know that very corner. I need to know if there's a spider in that bathroom. I just need to know. So that's how I go into it. And I think I've kind of taken, maybe that's one step too far, possibly. Maybe I should be more spontaneous. But when it comes to um, anything involving work, uh, yeah, I have to have every angle covered. This episode of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by ACT London. ACT is the natural deodorant that really does work with gorgeous fragrances, stunning plastic-free packaging and unrivaled performance at its core. Their slogan is Born to Perform, not only because it works, but because the brand was created by two West End performers, Ed Curry and Andy Coxon. The guys simply couldn't find a deodorant that worked for eight shows a week under those hot lights in those same costumes. Ah, oh, I certainly know what that feels like. Act is now the winner of Harper's Bazaar's Best Deodorant Beauty Award and has been named the number one deodorant by Vogue, Esquire and Pop Sugar. I've been using it myself and honestly, I love it. If you like the sound of ACT, the boys have given me an exclusive code to share with you. Keep Calm 20 for 20% off at actlondon.com. That's A-K-T London.com. Thanks, boys. Do you feel like um, uh, on something like This Morning or The One Show, you know, these big shows that millions of people watch and there's a real, there's a real kind of... I don't know, not expectation, but do you ever feel like the pressure of stepping into something like that, of, of you know, suddenly this weight of this of these big shows, mm. it's it's on you, it's on you to kind of drive that and lead that. Do you, not put I'm putting pressure no, on you now. When you put it like that, <laughs> well, it's I really know, hard not to start sweating a little bit. Because I guess from my perspective, you know, I always go on as the. I don't know, the person that is being interviewed or the person that's going to sing a song. So for me, it's kind of, you're led. But being the person that's leading it and being the person in control, mm. I mean, it's been my kind of experience of it going on to in something like this, but it's very, very relaxed. But I don't know how I would fare going suddenly in the, into the, into that seat. And it, it, yeah. I think it would, I, the pressure of, of filling those shoes, I guess. What yeah, it, it only, I guess it's experience. And even from a really early age, like I said, presenting live on shows like Newsround mm. makes a hell of a lot of difference because it's kind of all I've known. And I, I remember being in Newsround and uh, sitting on that sofa, we're about to go live. 
and the idea, there's about f six people in the gallery in the studio you know so it feels quite small and quite intimate and then you broadcast it to however many hundreds of thousands or millions of people are watching but you never really think about that and i guess transferring that over a lot of years a number of years and i've been so lucky to do huge events you know from the royal wedding of you know prince harry and Meghan markle and um one love manchester the ariana mm -hmm. grande concert uh... was just um e easily up there in my top three mm. career moments and the olympics you know these these moments of experience have really helped so when you go and yeah. sit on a what's supposed to be a comfortable easy go relaxed sofa <laughs> they're like so hard morning, those sofas you know, they are actually <laughs> posture that's why if they were that comfortable we'd all be lying down we'd also... <laughs> um so yeah it's very important to keep your posture as we all know but sometimes don't practice and uh, so yeah it's it's i guess it's trying to channel it in the right way and making sure that i've i've had my you know, I've looked through my notes and do you know what? The last time I did it was in the summer um, uh, 2020 and I hadn't done it for a little while. And uh, I actually called Eamon, Eamon Holmes. And uh, because so I just, lovely. I just, such he's nice such the nicest chap. And I remember after I'd won Strictly, uh, my first interview was with Eamon and Ruth. And after the interview and everything was all a bit mental and crazy. And, you know, you're seeing like a, a carousel of worth of people in front of you um so some stuff you take stock of and other stuff just just goes you know straight over your head i will never forget the moment i finished the interview they go to a break and eamon said here is my card anytime you want to call me Aww. or whatever it might be just here's my number just give me a give me a call or send me a message and Aww. i'll be happy to give you advice and i was like that is unreal i mean the whole experience of that felt crazy but but that's when it kind of hit home like I'm on the cusp of something. It's up to me how I want to use it. Mm -hmm. But to have someone like Eamon, who's been in the biz for decades, um, knows everything, every little trick in the book, to have him at hand, I called him and I said, "Okay, I just want to, I just want to make sure I'm getting this right." I've done it a few times, uh, and it's kind of come and it's gone. I've got a bit more time to consider it. What do you think? And uh, and he was so lovely and gave me a little bit of advice. So that's the thing, you know, even as experiences you get, whatever field that you're in, you can always learn some more. There's always places that you can push yourself and improve. Um, so I guess that's what I, I try to do because you're never the finished article, are you? Mm, yeah. I mean, I you are, Kerry. You, you are. So <laughs> before you I finish that, you are. <laughs> you're very kind. <laughs> I'll pay you later. Um, so talking about Strictly, how was your experience? Because I obviously, you know, I look at this show as, um, for me, it would be like doing a job. You know, you go in, you get thrown together with this company, you fall in love with all these lovely people, and yeah. then it finishes and you have to walk away. And, and obviously you've done musicals and shows now, so you kind of have experienced that as well. But yeah. something on this scale, which is so massive, um, I think performers are kind of used to it in a sense because we go in, you know, we do shows, we're, we, we're used to this kind of process where you, you know, you become a dysfunctional family for however mm -hmm. that period is and then yeah. you walk away. Yeah. And we are used to those ups and downs and and for, for us, it's it, you move on and you do another show. How is it? How was it for you um, doing something so public and so exposing i mean obviously you did brilliantly you won amazing how was the experience for you how was it 
Not like that. <laughs> Not like how you described at all. Because I guess I did it backwards. Mm. And um, I, I, they, 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 I remember having the first meeting with the producers. And they said, well, if you do do the show, it is obviously it's a lot of work. It's a, there's a lot going on. It's really full on. You get thrown into the limelight. Um, you have to be ready for that. Mm. And nothing can prepare you for it. Nothing can. From a contestant's perspective, like you say, from the pros, from the production, who do it year in, year out, they come on the show in August, they're done in December, and then they mm. pack up, they go away, they do their own thing, and they come back the next year. They're, they are kind of in tune with picking up, dropping off, yeah, letting yeah. go. For me, I had, I had been dreaming of doing that show since 2004. The idea of being on that, that incredibly like sparkle-tastic, sequined, glamorous, brucey led you know, live music, mm. Saturday night show was just, it was another world, completely other world. And, um, you know, when I was working in Children's and we were all based at Television Centre, on a Saturday night when Strictly came into town, it was the only show that everything stopped for. You know, I'd be doing something, I'd be doing a bulletin in our building and then I'd have a lunch break and then I sort of run around the donor within television center. If anyone knows what it looks like, it's, you know, it's, there's a big circle in the middle and that's where kind of the dressing rooms would fall into and, you know, getting a, a sneak peek of Bruno in his onesie, you know, having a bit of a <laughs> cigarette break that made my month. Oh mm. my goodness me. So yeah, the very idea of doing it, you know, it was a dream. It was just a dream. And so I, uh, the, the first uh, walked into the studio, let alone actually getting the call and actually being told that it was going to happen and my sick mum down and she thought I was going to have a baby and actually it was being on Strictly. There's a number of things that happened in the lead up to getting there. But actually being in the studio for Strictly was like I was, I just walked into the uh, something that I had always wanted to be a part of it was like just it was like i went into dungeons and dragons you know i was like this is this is like a, this is an enchanted world here and so this isn't the kind of thing that i'm going to be able to let go of um which is why i guess when it came from, from a rehearsal perspective every single week the objective was just don't go home i don't want this to end i mm. want to be here forever and yeah. i would have done you know i i by the end I, I, I had, it took 10 years off me. I'd never been in that good condition since I was 18. I was like, this, I will be, I, will, I, don't, I don't want to stop. I'll just yeah, do this forever. Yeah. That, and you it's know, fun too. It's fun. It was fun way so of much fun. So, um, yeah, by the end, it was, it was quite difficult to let go. My wife mm. and I went on holiday to um, Malaysia, actually. She needed the trip more than I did. And um, I remember being sat on this beach after being... You know, I've been dancing every single day, pretty much, for mm. 13 weeks. And all of a sudden, I was just sat on my own, on a beach, she was asleep. And I was like, no, no, this is nice, but I would really rather be dancing. Um, and that, I think, was what helped me to channel, okay, I had, uh, at the end of the final, a lot of people said, are you going to carry on dancing? I said, I'd love to. Not everybody mm. has a ballroom in their front room, so it's quite hard <laughs> to just keep that up. But I knew that I needed to keep performing in some mm. guise. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But, uh, yeah, I remember sitting on that beach going, I have to. 
Mm. Not many people have got to the position that you're in. In fact, it was only Series 14. So there is a really small group of people who have that opportunity. So you've got to frickin' take it mm. or you're going to regret it in 10, 15 years' time. So um, that was that was a small little nubbins that I needed to go, all right, let's, let's make this happen. And is that then what made... Um your lead into theatre then because then you, you started to do things like Grease and Curtains you did um, yeah. and I mean you made your West End debut pretty quick you know after after oh, dabbling yeah. in theatre I'll oh, do a bit of Grease oh, no. and now bam I'm going into the oh, West no. End um, was was you know the West End or show something you'd always thought about or was it just yeah. a natural progression from suddenly I'm I'm doing this performance I'm enjoying this buzz I'm you know that's a it's kind of a natural progression to go to theatre it well, it's it's natural and, and unnatural for a lot of people, actually, because I guess with winning a show like Strictly, the doors open, don't they? Yes. Especially for musical theatre. The idea of, of having course. that name in lights above the door is going to mm. bring, in, bring in people. I um, wanted to do it slightly differently because, you know, I knew there was a moment in the... And in our season of Strictly, when I was I was on the da- I was I was dancing, it was happening. I should have been concentrating on the steps, but I was having this kind of <laughs> another outer mind moment, going, "Oh my god, I love this!" You know, I you know, I mentioned about performing on stage at school, and since leaving school, I haven't done it. I hadn't done anything performance based until I was d- dancing on Strictly, and it was kind of a light bulb moment. I was describe it, and I'm, I'm I'm starting to cringe myself out now by saying it, but it's the only way I can describe it. Is you remember? <laughs> please go with me. You remember on the, the film Hook? Yeah, I love Robin the film Hood Hook. Is playing Peter oh, Pan, right? It. Yeah, it's, it is. You know, a film of our time, amazing. Just just bringing all those feels of childhood and being free and flying mm. and all that stuff. And but he can't remember. He was Peter Pan, but he can't remember until a little bit of magic dust and the Lost Boys slap him around the chops. And <laughs> then he remembers how to fly. That was how I felt when I was on Strictly because I I parked, I'd shelved it away. Mm. The, the idea of being on stage and performing and, and uh, getting that, that reward from the immediate reward from the audience, seeing your family and friends in there looking so lovingly and supportively at you. You know, that was that was 10 years old. I hadn't even mm-hmm. opened that book. And then I'm on Strictly and I, I, it was like, oh my God, this was a huge part of me. Yeah. Not just my life, but this is a part of me. This is what makes me come alive. And um, so that was, I guess, the fire that was lit that made me go, I have to, I have to make this work beyond the show. And um, so I wanted to do it differently because I didn't want it to be a flash in the pan. I didn't want to be a Strictly name that went yeah. straight into theatre and uh, and sold tickets and then they went, well, that was good. And actually, do you know what? He wasn't that good. We knew he could dance a bit. He wasn't trained, but he knew how to do a few steps. We're not exactly chucking him into Mary Poppins, you know, but I was, uh, I was, I wanted to make sure that I had the tools mm. to survive and also to be an asset to the company because, you know, having been part of teams, and um you know huge part of my social and working life i wanted to make sure that i was going to be able to um be an asset not be the weak link um uh, and so i wanted to work on my vocal i wanted to 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 go away and make sure that the right show gave it a chance to grow a little bit i guess and greece came along and actually it was perfect because it was 
it was playing Teen Angel yeah. in a show that everybody loves. Oh, and people yeah. had come in their T-bird jackets. And, the and it was a tour as well, wasn't it? You were UK tour. tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was, I was sharing the role with the wonderful Peter Andre. Um, slightly fewer people in the seats when I came. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I, I think they must have just missed the link. Um, and they were booking but that was okay um, because it's probably a good thing this guy was new and all of a sudden I was on top of these stairs wearing Cuban heels like, with my eye line on the top circle I was like this is new um, but it gave me just a little you've done strictly though a... you've been used to I, Cuban I, heel that's true, that's true but they didn't put me two stories high Kerry damn it um, so uh, yeah so that was that was a lovely introduction because it was it was you know one big show-stopping number uh, but a show that people knew and loved so that fear of being judged mm. um too harshly you know i it, it gave me a chance to take my time to take a few baby steps with heels but baby steps into the <laughs> um into the job and um and i loved it i absolutely loved it do you think there might be more then coming from you? Do you think there's something you might kind of seek out a little bit more? Maybe maybe a bit of TV acting. I mean, you did, you did um, uh, an Autumn Crosses. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to. I, it's um, you know, it, I don't know. After mm. after about 2012, mm. I stopped planning. I have. Yes. I kind of. It, uh, it's it's quite freeing but also quite terrifying isn't it that idea of well we'll just put it into the universe and see what happens mm-hmm. and you know work as hard as you can and try to make the right connections and and hopefully it'll all work out <laughs> it usually <laughs> um, does <laughs> it, it has done so far so good you know pandemic aside and i mm. i I'm, I'm open to it. i'm always open to it as long as i can keep a roof over my head my family's happy and i get yeah. to do the things that i love you know i can't i can't complain so so who knows but um, my next one, I'm going to be uh, Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Show. Which oh my God. I is love that. a new perspective altogether. That's um, a whole different ball game. See, you, you knew I loved heels, and I'm just going <laughs> to. Well, you've been getting progressive, progressively higher, I guess, the Cuban. Yeah, this now is you're going to be like, bam, what an amazing That's right. show. That's going to be yeah. incredible. Well, I just, it's, it's, there are. The, the, how much people are going to want to get back in the theatre is is oh, just completely immeasurable. And it's one of those shows where, you know, people are just going to bring the party. Mm. Uh, and so the the idea of it, I watched, I loved it. My in-laws actually are obsessed with it. So as soon as the, the, the offer came in, they, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, well, I know Brad <laughs> doesn't wear much in the show. My <laughs> wife is like my other manager. So I always need to cross this by her. Is she going to be okay with that? Does she think... I'm suited to it. Does she think anybody's going to want to see me in my <laughs> next de negligee? Um, I don't know. Let me just ask her. Her and her parents were went crazy at yeah. the idea of it um, because it's just it's just been a big part of their lives for so long, as it has been for so much of that audience. So um, yeah, I'm so so looking forward to it. It's going to be hilarious That's and brilliant. Um, crazy so yeah there's there's you know i ain't stopping that's, <gasps> that's amazing and when's, when's that meant to start 
So that is, it's been shuffled a few times, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the latest incarnation is we're rehearsing in May for a June start. Um, Exciting. Which would be huge. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna, it's it's Rocky Horror, you know. There's not much uh, you need to say about it, but um, br- brilliant. bring your outfits. I will be along, definitely. Absolutely come and see you. How brilliant, how exciting. Um, yeah. Have you had... Um, I mean, you're such a like bright and bubbly person and like, you know, so much personality and, you know, warm and lovely. And have you had a moment career wise that's kind of knocked you that's been a bit harder than any of the others? And and, and if so, what was it and how did you kind of pull yourself out of it? Hmm. No. (laughs) Well, do you know what? It's you, you mentioned it brief at the start of us chatting. I have such a positive outlook, especially in the last 12 months, because, and actually I, I did something at the end of last year that was completely reinforced it. That I can't tell you about until it comes out. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but when it, when, it, when it happens, you'll know about it because I've never put myself in that position at all. But it was all about positive mindset. And, um, and especially when something negative has happened, you know, you grow from it, you put it in the back of your mind, but you certainly don't dwell on it. So I guess whenever I'm asked that question, I know that there have been, there have been a number of setbacks, small ones, you know, I've, I've been, I've also myself really fortunate that any steps that I've taken, I've felt like they've continued to move forward, if not sideways, not mm. massively backwards. But of course you get doors closed in your face and you get told you're not this and you're not that. And, you know, you're really holding out for a role. Um, and it just hasn't happened. I've probably been in the room for Chicago about eight <laughs> times. Okay. Um, I'm happy to tell you that, Kerry. You know, I, now, now this, I'll, tell you why, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm happy to tell you it. Because that role does not own me anymore. There was one point in time where I was so dedicated to making sure that that happened. That I kind of, I would stop the world. I went mm. to Broadway with my wife, now wife, I took our very first Valentine's Day, I took her to New York and Paris. Let's not dwell on it, I know, I know. That's a big Valentine's gift. (laughs) I started as I meant to go on and then they got progressively worse after that. But I thought, this is the gesture, stay with me forever and this might happen again. (laughs) And we went to watch Chicago on Broadway. And from that point, obsessed with the show. Mm. I know it is, it's a complete audience, People eat it up, they love it. But it's not going, you know, it will always be there. But for, for a time, it always, I was like, I have to do this show. I have to be part of Chicago. And I have continued to be in rooms for it and continued to not get it. And I'm okay with that now. Because if you asked me that two years ago, I would have, I would have probably been devastated. That's but hard. The time will come. The time will come. It will. And I think that's kind of why you know it's such a it's such a um, ruthless industry that if it you is, get yeah. if you get hung up by those setbacks, then goodness me, you end up not going. You won't end up leaving your house. Oh, absolutely. You know. So that's why I don't remember them so clearly because I know they've happened and I know I'm still here despite them. So. Um, yeah, we always move forwards and we always stay positive. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, I'm very similar. You know, I 
obviously I'm used to having that being told no in various job, theatre jobs because we go yeah. through it all the time. We audition all the time. You get told no and you become very resilient. And especially young people, they say, well, how do you deal with, with that? And I said, well, you know, you can't dwell on it. You just have to go, it's not me. It's not my time. My time will yeah. come and I'm moving forward because it doesn't serve you to dwell on those on those negative kind of reactions. It's not, it's not helpful. So yeah, I totally, totally agree. Um, what's been the best moment so far? What's been the highlight? <gasps> I mean, there's probably been a fair few with the Olympics Ever? and Strictly and- Oh my God. Um, uh, well, I, so yeah, the Olympics, um, you know, 2012 was such a, a huge moment for the entire country. So even being a part of that was, was so significant. Four years later, I actually landed my own hosting role in Rio, and that that happened that happened weeks before. You know, I, I left Rio. I literally ran on a plane. I landed the next day. I was getting into sequence for Strictly Come Dancing, so that that whole chapter was just a whirlwind Jeez. that I'll, I'll I'll never forget. Um, I mentioned the one love Manchester, and I think the significance of that. You know, it was a global it was a global moment after what had happened to the Manchester. Manchester um, terror attack and you really felt like it was such an important such an important night I was hosting it with the beautiful Sarah Cox and it just you know it felt you felt responsible for mm. putting this into people's living rooms and trying to get in that tone right you know the music did all the talking but it was important for us to welcome people in and know that this was a safe place. You know, the whole country was completely in shock, yeah. let alone the families affected. So I felt I was so honoured to be a part of, of that night. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember turning around, you know, while, while the show was on and going, looking out the balcony and just being like, wow, just take this all in because this is what can happen when people come together, mm. you know, after after something as tragic as, as that was. And again, something that I keep in mind, you know, going forward over the last 12 months, you know, we are still here to tell the tale and we're very fortunate for it. But it's up to us to make sure that we continue that and not dwell on the stuff that's happened before. But, um, you know, from a stage perspective, uh, making my western debut in curtains and you know it's can i just put it this way carrie can i put it this way and i know <laughs> you've you've been there you've done it all over the world so maybe this won't feel like a drop in the ocean or maybe it will have some resonance to a lot of people listening i was there for i was there for it was january and um you know, I've I've toured and I've I've played shows at home. Even I remember doing Panto in Croydon, and we live in London, so the idea of having a London show feels yeah, it feels close. But actually, sometimes I wonder which is easier. Is it easier to just be away? Uh, <laughs> I know, or is it yeah. Easier to be at, at yeah. home and then make that commute. I don't know. It's it's it, sometimes it's impossible to make that call. Mm. But um, we were in London, and it was my son's second birthday. I was able to be there for his second birthday. I wasn't in Aberdeen. Mm. Um, as beautiful as Aberdeen was, I was very fortunate to be at home. So we decided to, we were going to make a, a day out of it. I was performing that night. And I remember leaving in the morning and go, oh, well, I need to bring, you know, my kit, bring my bag for, for the show tonight. And we were performing at the Wyndham's Theatre. And it was slap bang in the middle of Leicester Square right there. I remember getting out of the tube and just saying to the wife and say, oh, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to pop in 
to the theatre and just drop my bag at, at work. And the very idea of <laughs> popping in to work at my West End theatre. Hi, guys, on the door. Yeah, good. I'm just going to drop my bag in my dressing room. I hope that's all right. Yeah, cool. No problem. I walked out of there like I had just smelt unicorn dust. I was like, <laughs> I, I am floating. How? This isn't real. It's not real. I've walked past these places my entire life, and this mm. is my place of work. Uh, and tonight, after I've celebrated my son's birthday, felt like a completely normal day, I'm going to be performing in front of hundreds of people. Um, okay, cool. Let's just let's just suck that in for a minute. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that's definitely my uh, my stage highlight. I'd say. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it is. It's unlike any other job. It, it really is, and it's. It has its it, it very highs and it has its tough moments, but it just is magical. And I'm so excited we're going to see you back on the stage again soon. That's what oh, a brilliant way to come you. out of lockdown. How how wonderful. Um, Wearing uh, stockings and suspenders. Yes. There we go. Out, out <laughs> with a boom. Brilliant. I can't let R.A. leave without asking him my final question that I ask all my special guests. If you could look back on your 20-year-old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself, what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on? My 20-year-old self. My 20-year-old self was in Australia. I was in between school and university. And you know what? I felt like I could do anything at the time. And I would say, tell yourself to like bottle this feeling because when you get older and you get into work and you start a family and you have a house, and these are all incredibly fortunate things to have, but with that responsibility comes pressure. And sometimes you feel smaller because you need to balance that. You need to, the idea of losing those things cripples you. Mm. Hold on to that idea that you can fly and you can do whatever you want because you can, nothing has changed. And, and it's that kind of energy and that fire that is going to continue to make you feel like you can do whatever it is that you want. So um, yeah, I'd say keep that, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I'd summarize that, but that. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Just, I love that. I love that. That's so brilliant. All right, it's been such a joy to talk to you. Thank you oh, so you so too. much for coming on, and uh, all the best with the show. And I can't wait to come watch it. And um, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much. Yay! Thank you, Carrie, and thank you for making me cry. You will <laughs> always be that woman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is it for another episode. Oh, we're flying through already. So I just want to say a massive thank you to Ore for coming on the show. It was an absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're really making me want to go and twirl in my in my living room and take up a bit of Strictly. And also to our lovely producer, Martin, at Peroxide Media. Couldn't do this without you. And, of course, our lovely sponsors, Act London. Don't forget to check them out and use that discount code. And, of course, to you, the listeners. Without you, we wouldn't be here. And we really appreciate your support. Keep sending your messages. Keep checking out all the extra episodes if you've not heard them already. There's a whole season one and two of wonderful chats to check out. Whatever you're doing, have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Once again, a 
huge thank you to my sponsors, Act London. Thanks for coming on board, guys. It's really great to have you with us. It really does work, I promise you. I get up in the morning, I put it on, it smells gorgeous. I'm loving the orange scent at the moment, and it really does work. I'm running around, I'm exercising. My kids, you know, they really do wear me out, and this stuff really does work, I promise you. And don't forget to use my exclusive discount code for 20% off at the checkout. Keep calm 20 at actlondon.com. That's A-K-T-London.com. 